What's good, everyone? Sarah Harrison, aka Lady in the Trap, here bringing you In the Trap podcast, the warm up series. This is the penultimate episode before we kick off the real deal, where I'll be inviting people not just from the music business, but all creative industries. You should know that by now. I'm ready to have these conversations around entertainment and entrepreneurship. But what do I always say? The focus is their story. Quick reminder to hit that subscribe or follow button to make sure you're alerted with every new episode that drops and you're absolutely more than welcome to leave a comment, like, share and all that pretty good stuff. So, we've heard from Ray Shrimmard, GEZ and LMA. Now, I'm about to take it back to my first ever time meeting Canada's very own Tory Lanes in 2015. I bet you thought I was going to say Drake. These two have been at it, but it seems like they can both claim Toronto very happily and share that title. Fargo, as he likes to call himself, he first drew me with his mixtape series, Chick's Tape. If you don't know, that's when he flipped a bunch of soul R&B samples, made them his own, really unique and modern way. But his skills as a rapper quickly revealed themselves on future releases. And now the artist sits, in my opinion, in the top league of entertainers. And I use the word entertainer quite purposefully as his live shows, they're crazy. They're pretty fearless. Not to mention his latest venture of quarantine radio via Instagram Live. Have you seen that? Recently wrapping up his five album deal with Interscope and so a newly independent artist, Tori has proven to be a certified hit maker. The song titles are endless, so I feel like asking you guys a question. If you had to choose your favourite Tory Lane song, which one would it be? Leave a comment, let me know, hit me up at I'm Sarah Harrison. Let's go back to his early stages of his career when he sat down with me at that time. I remember it was the Hoxton Hotel. Wow, time flies. In the trap. Hey, yo, it's your boy Fargo, and I'm with Sarah Harrison. It's the lady in the. This is the Sarah Harrison. It's the lady in the trap, Sarah Harrison. Tory Lanez. Why did you laugh at that? I didn't know you was gonna. I didn't know you was gonna start it off as the lady of the trap. Well, it abbreviates L I double T, which is lit. Oh, okay. it's, it's gonna take over the Swave Nation, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. So this is Canada's very own right now, and I call you this ticking time bomb because you've had an archive of mixtapes that have just outdone each other every time you've brought them out. Yeah, definitely. And I think you've built an organic fan base because of that. Tell me what your journey's been like and perhaps your favorite moments of your journey so far. Um, the journey has been very, you know, up and down. It's like a roller coaster. You know, sometimes good things happen, sometimes bad things happen. You know, it's the things you sign up for at the end of the day. But I don't think I could ever highlight my favorite moments because there's just so many, uh, you know, great things that happen. There's so many emotional things that happen that, you know, bring out great things. And I'm just living. I'm just, I, I can't really explain it. I'm just, you know, I just go with, I just go with the flow every day and I just, you know, have faith in God that it's going to be all right. For sure. So what mixtape do you really hold close to your heart and think this was a, a turning point for Tory Lanez? Um, a turning point would be Conflicts of My Soul. Um, it's one of my most favorite projects just because of the, uh, just the musicality and the way it's act it actually is. The way, uh, if you ever listen to the whole Conflicts of My Soul from front to back, it's actually a long story, like with, a, with skits and everything. And every single song actually musically goes into the next song. And I, it got kind of overlooked, but it was like one of those things for me where it's like, I know I outdid myself with that one, you know? Um, and of course, I believe 
you know, the other the other additional mixtapes, you know, increased in in uh just showing talent and potential, you know, with the things that are about to come. Now you say that you don't do R and B, you don't do hip hop, you do swavy. How on earth did you come across this term and what made you run with it? Uh I made it in two thousand ten. Um and together me and my manager created something called Swave Nation. And um Basically, the word itself just meant because when I when I was first coming in the industry, I was doing a lot of music that was just in all kinds of ways just different. There was definitely times when I was doing rock music and times when I was doing all kinds of different other genres. And I felt like, you know, when I was going into label meetings early in my career, there was no real way for these people to encase my talent or to be like, this is good, this is dope, uh, this is this genre. So I had to make a genre that I felt like will allow me to express any kind of, uh, you know, musical genre without people saying I'm trying to jump lanes or something like that. You know, There was no encompassing lane for me, so that's why I made it. So was it like a take on the word wavy then, and you just put the S at the front? Um, no, I, I guess that's one way of looking at it, but I don't, I was never one of those dudes who said wavy. Or like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really a, a swag swag guy either. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so. But the, the word just became the word, you know? Okay, got you, got you. We're on with it. I like it. It's not as good as lit. <laughs> I'm joking. I think that's overused now. Um, but um, what would you think was your first love? What would you say was your first love, singing or spitting? Well, it, it always originally started, you know, I was rapping. Um, you know, when I was very young, I picked up rapping and then, like four or five years ago, I want to say, I really started singing, singing, you know, and I just developed that talent to just be as good because I'm not one of those people that will lag on one side. And, nah, you know, it's two wheels to a bicycle. In order for one to go at its best speed, you have a will needs to be at the same. When I first actually started putting out music, it was always both. It was predominantly more rapping. Um, and then I guess... From conflicts in my soul, like on, is when it got a lot, a little you know, more melodic and uh, just with melodies and things like that. Because I started getting into producing. And, and yeah, I didn't really want to ask you the question: Oh, are you a, a singer or a rapper? But it's always interesting to know which one would you, or not really classify, but which one would you go to first? You know, like if someone, well, I can speak for myself. I'm bilingual. I speak two languages. People always ask me which language do you think in, or which you know what I'm saying. That's 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 a different way of looking at it. Now, but that's that's um that's very interesting that uh you, you're bilingual and you know people ask you that question because I guess it's this, in the same format. People would ask me the same kind of thing. Um, do you think that you've studied your singing though? Because I really feel like your vocal delivery has changed, and I feel like we first heard it on Conflicts of My Soul, where you really really started to identify yourself. In, in your voice and stuff. Did you listen to any singers in particular to try and develop yourself? Honestly, uh, no. I, I think the thing for me was just I liked, I was singing a lot of different styles before. And I think when I would, I would have a very raspy, smooth voice. And when I would take that approach to songs, it would sound more dreamy for me. And my whole thing is about giving the listener an experience, not giving the listener a song. It's, you know, it's, it's, I want the listener to feel like they're, in a world when they hear my music. Like, you're somewhere else. You're not here, you know? And um, I think that uh, for me, just like 
finding that that tone and that way to you know go on all the songs that I do, um, you know, it helped me create that sound that was on Conflicts in My Soul, you know. And I think I, I think what changed for me was you know I was just singing a lot more. I was doing a lot more live concerts and my vocals just got stronger. And, that's dope. That's dope. I want to talk about um, producer Tory Lanez, though. Do you treat it equally um, as important as your singing and rapping? Like, is it a really important part of your artistry? As far as producing? Yeah, you dabble in production, right? Of course. I, I think the, the the most important thing for me, and I was just telling my manager this, I think yesterday, was when I produce, that helps me get, I think, the most realist and most honest me. Because the music that I'm making is from my own feelings. And uh, what's crazy about me is when I hear beats, you know, I don't listen to it for a long time. I just go in the studio and I just go and I, you know, I'll, I'll do it. But um, when I make beats, these are a direct reflection of what I want to say without it being said in lyrical format. And whatever a, a beat gives me is what I'm going to give back to the beat. That's why people think that, like, you know, my music is so great. Is, but I think it's just the fact that if you think the beat is amazing and however, you know, I like to pick glorious beats, if you think the beat is glorious, whatever's going to be on top of this is going to be glorious because that's all I can give it back, you know? So uh, for me, when I do do make beats and when I do uh, dabble in the production and stuff like that, that's when I get the most honest, um, realer side of myself. So yeah, I mean, that that definitely has a lot to do with the music. So how early on did you start producing and who who influenced you in the production game? It's crazy. I mean, I started with a dude named Play Picasso. And Play was like a dude from Miami. He's a Cuban dude. And we would just go to the studio. Um, oh, matter of fact, it wasn't even... Play's not the first person I actually started with. The first person I ever actually started making beats with was a dude named Silistic. And it was on a project called Sincerely Tory. And me and him produced the whole project. And that's what kind of got me into it. Uh, I had stopped... Uh, for like a good year and took a, a good year off after that and didn't put out anything a year and a half just trying to revamp the brand and then I met up with Play and uh, also I was I was uh, working with this other dude um, and he pretty much recorded the project and he uh, he made beats as well as uh, it was a dude under the, the mechanics he was a cool dude and um, we just basically made the sound especially for conflicts in my soul. And we know you love to sample um, 90s R&B. I mean, it's been the case since the beginning. Because <laughs> that's what 90s music does, right? It's, it's, it's beyond the 90s music. It's the, the feeling that, you know, we got from 90s music. It's, it's, I don't even think it's the fact that it was in that time. It's just how the music felt. And I feel like as long as it can be revamped correctly, it still will make people feel the same way. Because the, the instruments are still the same. The uh, the structures are still the same. It just depends on what goes on top of this, you know. And um, yeah, you know, I listen to a lot of old R and B, and a lot of things have still influenced my sound in a way. Um, but it's a lot more older things, and so I think that's why I'm able to kind of still make it feel like this is authentic, you know. You hit it. You actually hit it on the head, like revamped correctly, because your current single, say it. Um, brownstone could have actually gone the other way. It could have been corny. It's crazy because after I don't, I feel like nobody was really remixing '90s songs like that until after the Chicks tape. But, but that's neither here nor there. But um, 
I feel like when when that came out, a lot of people tried it, but it's a certain flavor that you need to have to do it right and to not sound corny. And with a lot of the new age way of recording, it's, it's very hard to capture that essence and that vibe. And that's why that music is that music and this music of our time now is the music of our time now. Um, yeah, so of course, it could have definitely went corny, but you know, I, I wouldn't allow myself to do something like that, especially with old songs like that. You know, you don't multiple songs that are of that quality or of that magnitude that are amazing. And, you know, the label has all these songs and we 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 go through and we listen and, you know, and we all feel strongly about the music. Um as far as like songs like Diego, those are songs that you organically let them do what they do. You know, at the end of the day it's not it for Diego. You don't know what I don't know what, like, the internet is a huge place. Huge, very huge. It's just, it's so big that we forget how big the internet is. Things in life sometimes come out. Sometimes they settle for a while. Sometimes they marinate. Sometimes later on in life, they become huge. But it's like you didn't see it then in that spot. Look at the song, uh, I, I don't know the artist. Look at the cheerleader song. Oh, yeah. I was just number one on our charts. That's crazy. And that song was made, like, I don't want to be timing wrong, but I know it was made like at least two or three years ago or something like that. It was like an old song and then a DJ came back and remixed the beat and that's what made it a hit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so sometimes you got to just let things go. And if they do go by the grace of God, because God wants it to happen, then so be it. You know, if it wasn't written in the cards and I put a song out and it wasn't the one that organically went, it wasn't supposed to happen like that, you know. But uh, definitely go buy Say It on iTunes because Say It on iTunes... Not even just the fact that it's on iTunes, but you know, it's my first record on iTunes, and it's, it's basically an incredible song. Like it's it's really an incredible song. What's this? What's this Caribbean slang we hear at the beginning? Like you really have a whole skit, and I feel like it's only recently that we've been seeing a lot of this like patois coming from Canada. And we're like, has this always been the case? Like, what? What? Can you tell me something about the roots? Yeah, well, see, my problem with me is is like I'm always around. Uh, a lot of my American friends, and I think sometimes, like, they, they're... Well, and of course, the fact that, you know, I was also raised in America when I was younger. A lot of times when I'm around them, my voice is like this. But when I'm in Canada, it's like, every, there's... It's not even knowing... It's not even the fact that everyone's Jamaican. It's just... it's Honestly, it's the same slang. Like, I'm not talking to you like this. Like, you feel me? I'm in... I'm in I'm I'm talking to you like yo so so while going yo the man I'm dealing with fam like yo like yo where where are we going like you know what I'm saying like where the things at like that's how we talk you feel me like at the end of the day like so it's a situation where I guess when I'm around home when I'm around family it just come out like that's how we are like that's just that's Canada like Canada is literally we kind of talk exactly like y'all we just don't have you know that accent yeah because people here want to be saying oh they sound British but not really it's Caribbean. <laughs> Do you have it in the food as well? Then is the does it translate into the culture of the food? Of course, of course, you definitely have that. Like I'm a real Jamaican food. Like like let's not even have that conversation. Like I'm like you know what I'm saying. Like I'm eating. Like you know what I'm saying. Like I'm one of those put the oxtail gravy on the rice and peas. Like you know if you don't know about that right there. First and foremost, like you know what I'm saying. Like if a girl doesn't make the ackee and sawfish right, that's a death eyes. Like if you don't know about all that, like you know what I'm saying, you just. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, that's just you know, that's 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 us. And the food is amazing in Canada, and it's it's still like that. It's like going to Jamaica and getting some Jamaican food. You know, I love Diego. 
Like, I really love it. I did a Vine, like, for it. I will look you dead in your eyes. And and I will look at you and I will point and I will say, this is for you. Great. That's made my day, man. 